This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water, vitamin water. Regular water, vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. Copyright 2020, Glasso. Life is Dope Podcast. I'm your man Graffiti. What's good, y'all? It's Davey. How you feeling, brother? I don't feel. You, you don't feel? <laughs> how are you doing? <laughs> well, shit. I don't know how to follow that, but uh, <laughs> but nah, bro. I'm feeling good. Uh, it's a good day. It's Sunday. I just left the Black Panther movie. Fire, 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 but we'll get into that later. What's up, man? What's going on in the world of Davey? <laughs> we never asked you. Not shit, bro. Not shit? Nah, I'm kidding. It's always something going on. Music. Oh, check out the Adele Lee Mitchell project coming up. Or actually, it's already out uh, on all of your streaming services. So it's Adele. It's A-D-I-E-L. Mm-hmm. Uh, I produce some awesome joints on there. Did you produce the whole thing? Uh, most of it. Okay, yeah. Uh, me and DMD, the producer, we, we worked on some stuff. Nice, nice, nice. So shout out to DMD. And that's uh, out on all streaming platforms? Yeah. Woo! That was a nice little free plug right there. Yeah, right? But, yeah, shout out to Adele. It was fire, too. I like it. Oh, much appreciated. Uh, what else is going on in the world? Man, th- there's so many things I want to cover, but I'm like, man, they're, oh, no, they're all juicy. How was your uh, Valentine's Day? Well, I'm married, so Valentine's ain't shit. Okay. Um, <laughs> how was your Valentine's Day? You mean Wednesday? It was all right. Single brother? You just call it Wednesday? Yeah, when, yeah Wednesday. That was cool. I don't know, man. I don't know. But before we get any further, we got a special guest host rocking with us today. Hey, who we got? I'm sure this brother has a lot to say because he has a, a a heavy, heavy mind. But I'm just introduce y'all. It's my man, Jeff Campbell. Y'all clap it up for Jeff. Hey. Peace, peace. Thank you so much for letting me be here with yeah. y'all. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Good sure. energy. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, man, we're trying to get the energy. I don't know. <laughs> we, we, we rusty right now. <laughs> I know. We ain't recorded it like. <laughs> we used to say it like we never done this before. <laughs> but uh, nah, man, we're we getting back to it. So definitely chime in on the conversation with us. Right. How you feeling? What's going on in your world? I'm good, man. You know, I'm just grinding. I'm just in the middle of this grind. That's all. You well, know. What's, what's the specific grind that you're grinding at right now? I have this project that I'm working on. Um, it is a theater production. It's called Honorable Disorder. Okay. And I truncated the two terms, Honorable Discharge and Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder, mm. to come up with the uh, title. It is about a family in five points. And uh, it's a mother who is uh, struggling to... Um, help her son, who is an Iraq war veteran, reintegrate into civilian life after deployment. And he's Mm. had some struggles. And uh, he's got a a friend, a platoon buddy, the only surviving member that lives in Curtis Park. And he's got some substance abuse issues. And then he's got a crazy uncle. That's who I play. Okay. Mm. I play the crazy uncle, the comic relief character. And, uh, you know, he just doesn't really believe in, you know, he just feels like, you know, you need to get your life together. You right. Know, what's wrong with you? Right. And then there is the uh, woman, the gentrifying lady that comes into Five Points, moves into Five Points, and also thinks she's like the benevolent 
lady who thinks that she can save everybody and help everybody. So, mm. so that's all that going on, and then some in the context of this this story with this guy dealing with post traumatic stress disorder. So that's what it's about. So, yeah. what helped you uh, prepare for the role of the crazy uncle? Do you was that something that you had to like do some? Yeah, Hennessy, some, some some preparing for some some training, or was it not too far of a of a stretch? Well, I'll tell you this: is that I, in my in my family, I probably am to my nephew. I probably am the crazy uncle. Okay, um, but in addition to that, is like I think everybody's got a drunkle. Yep, everybody's got that's a, a fact a crazy uncle. Right, and um, I had I had several, you know. <laughs> And so I, I really drew from my own my own experience. And my uncle would, you know, always ask me to buy. Let me let me get twenty dollars. Right. I need to get some new poison, some calamine lotion, a box of toothpicks, <laughs> and you know, and some mayonnaise. You want something? You know, like, <laughs> right. So you know, that guy really inspired me in this character. So speaking of crazy uncles, uh, how do you guys feel about the Quincy Jones interview? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that recently man. happened. Is Quincy our crazy uncle now? Crazy I, uncle I, Quincy. I would say he's crazy. You know, it's it's like I would say when you get to a point in life where you're just like, you know what, I'm just I don't care no more. Right. Like yeah, like oh, here's the thing: like old people are crazy and they're wise, yeah. and sometimes it's hard to know when they're giving you wisdom and when they're just giving you some crazy nonsense. Yeah, and you know it, when, but nothing Quincy is saying like we don't know him personally. But nothing sounds too far off based on these people's characters. I mean, was I mean was Marlon Brando smashing uh, Marvin Gaye and Richard Pryor and a mailbox <laughs> in a mailbox? Uh, I will say that didn't sound too surprising. Have y'all ever heard Richard Pryor's coke stories? Like, bro was out there. I mean, so I don't know. It doesn't sound too wild. And then Michael, when he said Michael be stealing music, uh, yeah, I mean. It doesn't sound crazy to me. Okay, so so we think Would that Quincy's think? telling the truth. Yeah, I don't put nothing past Hollywood. Right, right. I don't put nothing past rich, wealthy people who feel like they're untouchable, who mm. feel like they can do anything and get away with anything. I don't put nothing past them. Mm. Uh, so I, you know, I also don't give a shit. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying um, Marlon Brando can do. Anything he wants to with his dick, I don't. I don't care. That's, that's the name of this episode. That's not. That's not my dick, you know. And I'm gonna tell you, you know, I'm only responsible for my dick. Right. My dick is the only one. Now let me tell you this. Man, you let know, let me just, I tried to use that as an excuse, babe. That's not my dick. Let me tell you. Right. Let me tell you, Leonard. Look, if you see my dick out there doing some crazy shit, yeah, I want you to tell, yeah, yeah. send him home immediately. Yeah, I'm gonna stay away from. I've from had dick a conversation. I've sat down shit, and yeah. had conversations with my dick. I have. All right. And you know, you gotta. Your dick is a teenager. You just like a teenager. Yeah. You gotta treat it. You gotta sit down and talk to that motherfucker. There's really a jack off. That's out there embarrassing me. Like, that's some drunk uncle advice, right yeah. there. <laughs> your dick is a teenager. It's just like a little teenager. Yeah. That was knowledge. <laughs> what? Oh man, uh, yeah. Do we do we all think right. that the, the Beatles are trash? Yes. What else is next? <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, oh my god. John Lennon was tight. I John, thought John Lennon was tight. I think I don't know. I he think he was mad woke too. Maybe I had to be around during that time, but I think the Beatles are one of the most overhyped musical acts in history. Yeah, I want to hold your hand <laughs> and the, those little pop songs were kind of corny. But 
like I am the walrus, like you know, the older stuff is pretty pretty sick, man. It's pretty tight. It's so good, but like everybody, like the standard is the Beatles. Right now, that I agree with. It's yeah. like okay, come on, give me a break. Yeah, yeah I, I I agree with that. Hey, when are we gonna give Little Richard his props? Oh. Oh my God! Wash your face. <laughs> <laughs> Nigga, wash your face. I said props. It's going to be so many hot one-liners out of Jeff right now. <laughs> Wash your face. I don't know, man. Okay, so, sorry about that. Are we giving Lil Richard his props for anything? Did he start rock and roll? Let's talk about props real quick. I had this conversation the other day. Okay. Does it even matter anymore? Like, realistically? Yes. Okay. I'll let you explain why in a minute. And it matters to me, too. But I was talking to someone as a kid that was... 14 years old and we were talking about hip hop and you know like how it's the old heads versus the new generation it seems that way mm-hmm. and people are just like well you gotta know your history and how do you not know this person that person that person my son is 10 he, he didn't know who Tupac was and mm-hmm. like he he's 10 Did you, you know what him? I mean like I mean I put him on game <laughs> but that's my job to put him on game so like, how you don't know who Tupac is <laughs> <laughs> nah, this is blasphemy. Could have been grounded. Until he ain't supposed to learned, just be born knowing who Tupac is. Until you learn how do you want it. <laughs> you know the birthday song and who Tupac is. That's what you get when you're born. But uh, no, nah, I think it's our job to educate them. But if people don't know, should we really just be like, well, should we just blow them off to the side like that for not giving props? Like, if you're 13, you shouldn't have to say Tupac or Biggie was one of the greatest. How long Tupac and Biggie been gone? Like, was it 94? Yeah, you know I'm saying like '97. We were little back then, so I don't know, man. Like props is good; you should know your history and all that. But I think people too put too much emphasis on every that. generation has their movement. Every yeah. generation has their their sound, mm-hmm. and um, there's always some whack shit in there, and there's always some tight shit in there, and um, and it's really not up to you. You know, for me personally, my my opinion on the new music is is insignificant. You know, I don't I don't want to inject. You know, I'm not a fan of Britney Spears or Taylor Swift, but they're not at home crying, right? Trying to figure out why Jeff doesn't like their music, right? Britney you know, Spears might be. She's great. <laughs> I don't agree. really doubt it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I just think that you know. Um, it's it's a generational thing. I mean, my parents were critical of Run DMC or or, or or you know whoever it was that I was listening to or whatever. You know, it's just always gonna be like that. My father, he uh, he he said to me, he, he said, I owe you an apology. You know, I really thought that that hip hop thing was just gonna be just some fad, mm-hmm. and I owe you an apology. And I was like, this is like this weird moment. Okay, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's all right. So yeah. how do we feel? So what do we think is the, uh, what's the trash hip-hop of the 90s? Like, what were the trash 90s hip-hop songs? Oh, There's plenty. Songs? Was it Special Ed, I Got It Made? I mean, I feel like there was super trash oh. music from every era. Or was it Special K? Is the it thing K? is, we get the trash music fresh out the trash can. Like, we get it right out the booth. Because one's a serial and one's a uh, class. What, what you mean? Special Ed and Special K. Okay. <laughs> Who made I Got a Name? Hip hop heads. Holla at Definitely me. wasn't Special K, bro. But it was it was trash either way. But but back then you had to actually get through to get your music heard. That's true. Now you just put it out there. Was it was it was it I Got a Man? Was that the trash? Hey, what your man gotta do with me? I got it. Sounds hot, bro. Yeah, whoa. 
If you want to talk about trash, let's that talk was, about... We, let's, think, we think it was high, but... Let's pass the 90s, because, like, but we, it was we were little in the 90s, if we're being realistic. Some of y'all were Yeah, well, yeah. Not Jeff. My bad. <laughs> but anyways... But, I mean, if we... I mean, I, I see where you're going. You're about to like go into the 2000s. Like, yes, music was trash from 2000 to, mm-hmm. like, 2010. There was a well, very well, trash no, 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 era no, no. of music. 2000 and We got to stop acting like that didn't exist. 2005 or 6 to 2010. The whole was, snap music, tall T, Soldier Boy era was mm-hmm. trash. Hey, I was cranking that. Everybody just want to pretend <laughs> like that didn't happen. Like, that kind of breeded all these And that heads. was, like, the first, like... YouTube-ish, yep. you know, kind of... Viral era. Yeah, that was kind of the beginning of that whole, like, you know, circumvent the industry to get mass exposure. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and a bunch of little bubblegum, little 13-year-old girls thought he was cute. Right. So they kept playing they it, kept I guess. Reproducing So it. did it start with Soldier Boy, or did it start with... Cause I feel like Lean With It, Rock With It came out before Crank That. Well, there's the music, and then there's the era that the music sparked. You know what I mean? Like, And I think that's just in hip-hop in general. Like, right. Whatever that sound is kind of just sparks an entire movement for that era, whether everybody's brand new in or whatever. Right. So <laughs> I think Soulja Boy with MySpace and the whole ringtone rap and all that definitely kicked off the let's just make a hot little quirky song and get money real quick. I think okay. I think that really popped it off, and then the industry just kept kind of reproducing that, and now we got what we got. Mm. But there's I good can, music out there. So I can get on board with that. Yeah, okay. <coughs> All right, school going for graffiti. Uh, so what else has been going on? Uh, uh, rest in peace to the uh, people of is it Douglas, Florida, Douglas County, the high school shooting. Yeah, let's talk about it, Jeff. Any thoughts? Well, I mean, I think it's obvious. Um, what needs to happen and it's just um and it's just a ugly it's a ugly truth and it's it's a shame um there's a there's a whole lot of uh excuses that are that are made around um the second amendment mm-hmm. but the second amendment um enthusiasts are not afraid of a tyrannical government Right. That is a lie. Your government has been tyrannical for a minute. Right. If you have a government that is banning uh, words from agencies, hey, that's it. Might be tyrannical. Right. If you can, you know what I'm saying. Your government is tyrannical. You're actually not hoarding all of those guns to rally against that government. That um, you're hoarding guns because you want a civil war with who you call liberals, which mm-hmm. is which is women, mm-hmm. which is people of color, which is LGBTQ, which is immigrants, and any low income people you know uh, hustling for their for their scraps. That's who you want a war with. That is who you are against. You're not against a tyrannical government. Mm. You're not against these guys uh, uh, gutting uh, agencies and 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 taking away um, entitlement programs for the for the least of us. You're not against that. You're against 
other people, you're against leveling the playing field. Right. That's what right. you're against. And so, and they even, even the NRA even says it in their uh, advertisements. They have an advertisement with this young lady with dark hair, and she's just talking about these social justice warriors who cry racism and xenophobia and homophobia until our police officers have to step in and do what's right. Mm. And eventually, we're going to have to take up arms against... She's she's really uh, antagonizing that base. That's what they're talking about. They're talking about killing you, nigga. They ain't talking about going up against no tyrannical government. Right. That is bullshit. So as long as our eyes are wide open, we can see what it's really about, the real deal, then we have to, you know, just, you know, and they agitate with with the uh, rhetoric that they espouse. They agitate the crazy ones. Right. Those are their suicide bombers. You can right. look at ISIS right. and look at the parallels. Their suicide bombers are those, are those uh, crazy kids who will do, you know, active sh- active shooters. And they are... They are agitated by all of the the, the rhetoric mm. that they keep spitting. So they're crazy enough to go off. And if and if they keep raising the dialogue more and more, like we got to take the guns away, that's when the civil war will pop off in full swing. Mm. Um, you're in a civil war right now. Right. Be be clear about it. If be- they are standing down. While these fools is getting bucked, just shooting 10 and 20 people at a time, yeah. you're in a war. Right. You are. So it's just um, your children, mm-hmm. babies. Right. They ain't doing nothing about it. Thoughts and prayers? Come on, man. Right. So that's, that's, that's my two pennies. So what's the solution? So, I mean, if we essentially, if we, if we ban the guns, if we... Or at least ban, you know, AR-15s. I, I feel like it, it's not gonna. It's a step in the right direction, but it may not fix the problem because it's a it's a societal problem that doesn't it doesn't value human life. It doesn't it doesn't see life the same. We don't look at each other and and, and see us as being equals or as brothers or or as right. the same. So even if we get rid of guns, I mean, what's What's the solution? Because I feel like the only reason why it's worked in places like you know, like Australia and, mm-hmm. and in European countries, we we have a very um, we have a very uh, different society. We're, we're probably one of the one of the most um, diverse countries. Mm-hmm. So if you look at places like Norway, Denmark, Australia. 90 plus percent is white. So you can have societies where everyone gets along and everyone thrives and everyone, you know, and everyone is able to kumbaya because everybody looks the same. Right, right, right. But when you try to introduce those same tactics or those same ideologies to a place where not everyone looks the same and people have different, you know, skin color, different beliefs, different political views, how do you... How do you solve that? Is there a solution? Well, um, first of all, um, in um, 
in Europe, in earlier Europe, um, they were banging. They all looked the same, but those motherfuckers were banging mm -hmm. because it was very tribal. And you are correct um, in the sense that they, the tribes have become nations. And they're not, they're not as divisive as they as they once were. Mm -hmm. And it is a it's a very tactical thing to to put try to section to to create division by sectioning tribes off and allowing uh, uh, certain certain folks to keep certain parts of land and other and really to and and the uh, European powers have been <clears throat> really strategic in maintaining uh, global economic dominance over um, other nations, mainly by pitting fools against one another. Right. Um, and so the reality is we have to raise either our consciousness mm. or we're going to just get down. Right. One, or the, one or the other. There's going to be a whole lot of... Revolution is murder, bro. The only fucking thing that, that matters actually is murder. Because after you murder, then you get to set the rules up. Mm. And you know what? When you rape somebody, oh, you get probation. Right. But somebody else get out of line, uh, 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 a taillight in their license, blast that fool. Mm. Okay? But you got the rules set up. You can do it the fuck you want. Mm. Okay? So we got to stop thinking that this is a civilized society. No. The murderers set the tone. Mm. The murderers set it up, and the rules are for you. Rules ain't for the murderers. The murderers, this, they run shit. Right. It's, it's murder that, that is... <laughs> I'm sorry to well, bring, it, true. bring it down that's, to... That's, that's heavy. But it's you know it's the murderers that, that 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 make the rules and they set it up to protect themselves and that's just how it how it works. Right. Wow. And so we are going to either have to raise our consciousness above the stupid little meaningless arbitrary lines of division, whether they are language barriers, whether they are fucking pigmentation for mm -hmm. fuck's sake. Or who, or what you're doing with your dick. Right, right, right. You know, <laughs> right. until we just give up on judging other people for, for their individual choices, yeah. and until we give up on that, we're going to always be easily divided. Mm. And this tiny little percentage is going to, is going to benefit from us being at, at odds with each other. But the second we get over that bullshit, it's over for them. Right. So wow. that was the entire storyline of Black Panther, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that's why I'm bugging. I'm like, yo, I haven't you even sure seen you didn't movie. even see I, it? Yet? I didn't see it. Because that's literally what the movie is about. Man, that's deep. Um you mentioned on or in Honorable Disorder. Yes. There is a character that represents uh gentrification. Yeah. Can you speak on that a little bit more? Because that's a heavy topic, especially so, especially in the times we're in right now. Yeah, so it's set in modern-day five points, okay. post-Amendment 64. And so Samantha moves to um, five points and buys a house from um, rural Pennsylvania. Mm 
and she uh, happen, she's a social worker who happens to work with veterans and she meets uh, Deshaun played by Theo Wilson she meets Deshaun's mother at church and so mom thinks that this is just the Lord working oh right. this is great and so Samantha comes into town sets up her her office and she's you know working with veterans going down to the mission and, and giving presentations and she's just uh, trying to do her thing. But she left her purse in the front seat of her car. Mm-hmm. And she's not used to living in a city. Now, Denver is not this super metropolis, but mm-hmm. it's a city. Right. And you don't leave your purse. I don't care. I've lived in a few cities. <laughs> and you don't leave your purse in the right invisible space, you know, in, you know, in the middle of the night. You know, on accident, because right. somebody will break that window mm-hmm. and see what you got in that purse. Right. You know, and so, so she's on edge. So you know, her instincts is to call the police. Well, the folks who have lived here for a while have, you know, have a different relationship, right, with the police <clears throat> than she does. Right. She thinks, well, I've got a problem. Let me call my problem solvers. Right. These folks will fix this for me. And for the family that's lived here, hmm, that's creating a problem. Right. And so, um, yeah, I don't want to give up too much of it, but that's that's a little bit of, you know, just her her thinking. And so uh, my dad told me that I needed to have a happy ending. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I was just... Writing and just you know, and this is fucked up, and this is fucked up, and I'm just, <laughs> and, I, and I'm just gonna you know, and everything's fucked up. The end, you yeah. know. And my dad's like, you know, that's people would like to hear something, you know, um, something you know that lifts them up, right? Rather than just you know, people come to entertainment to escape. Walk out all depressed yeah. and shit. Escape so, reality. Yeah. So we'll probably have to watch it to see whether it has a happy ending or not. Or <laughs> well, cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so um, you know. So I decided to wrap it up and and really uh, utilize it as a teachable moment that when folks have privilege and they come into a situation where they are amongst people without privilege, they need to identify ways to leverage their privilege to level the playing field. Mm. And so that's kind of one of the messages that I try to put out in the in the story. Right, right. Okay. Man, and you wrote the entire thing? I wrote it and I this is my directorial debut. I've, nice. I've written a few. I've written a few plays. This is the first one I'm going to be directing. What got you into that? What got me in the theater? Mm-hmm. Well, I've been a clown. I've been clowning my whole damn life. <laughs> You know, just acting a fool my whole life and having fun. And I don't, you know, I got to be careful when I say that. Like, I, amongst y'all, I can say, oh, yeah, I like to act a fool and, and clown around. And I can say that and feel comfortable saying that. Uh-huh. And I've gotten around other people and say, said that. And they've taken that out of context as if I'm being derogatory uh, or negative. Right. And I don't mean it in a negative sense. I like to have fun. I like to entertain. I like to laugh. Right. You know, um, as depressing as I've been talking today, <laughs> boy, I sure like to laugh. <laughs> but, um, 
but um, so that has just been something that I've been involved with as a kid, and and um, I did hip hop for a, a long time. I put out uh, four uh, CDs out here during the grind era, during the, during the '90s and the early 2000s, and then I was also with a band, and we put a couple of CDs out. We toured the U.S. and Canada nice. here in in, in Denver, and. Um, at the end of that road, you know, I felt real good about that. But at the end of that road, I was really done with music. Yeah. Right. And but I'm still a writer at the end of the day, and I'm still a creative person. Right. And I will look for something to put my creative energy into. And I wanted to do a move. I want to do movies eventually, mm-hmm. but I ain't got the money. I'm not. I'm not in the movie tax bracket right. quite yet. Right. Right. It's expensive to do movies. And you know, and you had to have a team, you know, with with that knowledge. So what I wanted to do was master script writing. I wanted to master plot, characters, you know, and and uh, conflict and resolute. I wanted to master the art of writing a good script, right? And then hopefully that would garner enough attention and and uh, support for me to take the next leap. Into screenwriting, right, right. So, you said something interesting there. I won't go back to. You said once the end of the music role was over, you you're still a writer. You still want to create. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's a good message for artists. <clears throat> I tell people all the time because like there's a lot of artists that are good writers or rappers specifically, but you just shouldn't be a rapper. Like they're just not necessarily rapper material, but they can write. They're artistic. Right. And I feel like art is art at the end of the day, so you got to explore those different paths with that art. Right. I'm artsy as fuck. Yeah. And I had to come to the realization that I was too nerdy, actually, for rap. Yeah. And there's even some nerdy rappers, but I was nerdier than they were. Yeah. <laughs> okay? That's real. And so I just... And I thought I was cool the whole time. I really thought I was cool, because... But cats would come to me... Yeah, man, you know, you ought to be a manager or something. <laughs> and, I, and I didn't get what they were saying. Because yeah. I was like, shit, I was a rapper, kid. I'm just yeah. rapping. Right. Shit, I be rapping, kid. You know, and I didn't quite get it. And, um, you know, it dawned on me at one point that, yeah, Jeff, you're kind of square. Uh, you should probably do something else. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So, you know, I had to come to realize it's so funny because in my pursuit of where I found success with the band, it was like I was shooting for I was shooting for most deaf, Mm -hmm. but I landed on Michael Franti. (laughs) And I was like, how the hell did I get here? Yeah. And this is not who I see myself as. So it's really about, you know, the perception of who you are versus what the rest of the world sees you as. Right. And I and once I came to that realization, I was like, oh, let me get the fuck up out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let me do, let me be, you know, my full and complete artsy as fuck ass self. Mm. And it worked out. It's, it's working. working out. It's working. Yeah. So far. So in terms <laughs> of writers and directors, who are some of your uh, influences since you've gotten started? Well, you know, a big fan of Spike Lee big fan of how he puts together um, his stories like and the way he tells stories and the nuances of a Spike Lee joint when you look at a Spike Lee joint and you don't even have to if you didn't see the credits you come halfway through the movie 
I turned on this 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 show the other day. I came in halfway through the flick. I was like, oh, Spike must have did this. And then I click, oh yeah, this is a Spike Lee joint. So I I'm a big fan of Spike Lee. The other one is okay. So I'm a I'm a fan of gangster flicks. Mm. So Scorsese, mm. absolutely like man, like, and it's not just the subject matter, but man, how he tells that story. Right, the execution. Yeah, it's yeah. not just simply this dude is a bad motherfucker and he's a gangster and 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 this and that and the third. It's like okay, this is a human being. How did he get to this point? Right. And so he humanizes those characters, and it just um, and it, and he does it in a brilliant way. And I'm a I'm a big fan of Scorsese, so I would say those are my top two at least. Nice, nice. You know? So we are having the uh, aren't they bringing back Martin? Yeah, are we doing like a reboot for it. Oh Martin yeah, reboot. how you feel about that? Oh uh, well, I'm a yeah Martin. I I'm a big big fan of Martin and the way Martin plays those multiple characters mm-hmm. which is something that I'm a big fan of and something that I've kind of adopted and mimicked and tried to do myself so I really love uh, Martin and I'm, and I'm also happy to see that those black folks got over it. got over their petty ass differences to go ahead and make some money because I'm super tired of us picking fights with each other over some petty ass shit in the public eye, right, and then fucking the money up. Yeah, I mean, and even when there ain't money involved, like locally, you know, there ain't two dollars between some of these people, <laughs> right. and they ain't ready to, you know, right. slit each other's throats. I need over, my one fifty. You know, yeah. you know, over likes and shares and views. Right, mm-hmm. right. Motherfuckers want to fight over likes and shares and views of who's the top. You know, is it is it really about that, or is it about you know? Empowering one another, right? Yeah, the new currency, the, the new, new currency, currency for social clout, right? The new currency. Hey, that's a hard book. You should write that, Dave. Yeah. Copyright. Yeah, we'll edit, we'll edit that out. <laughs> right now, but but with Martin, I'm hyped too. But I don't. As a fan, how do you think they're gonna take the storyline? Yeah, I mean, they can't be in an apartment no more at fifty. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be interesting. I mean, I just I hope that they, uh, I hope they kill it. I hope it's not. Oh, they try to do that again. Yeah. I hope it's not a, one of those moments. Right. I hope that it's actually. Oh, okay. This is this is cool. It's good. It's funny. It's it, it it's timely. You know. I'm really I'm really hopeful that they do they do well with it. Definitely yeah, me like, too. Not trying to rely heavily on nostalgia. Yeah. I think at the end of the day that gets old, and then people want. Especially if you want to gear towards a new uh, market. I don't know, man. Like. I think trying to relate that type of show nowadays, I just don't, I don't know. I, I want it to work, but it feels like you would have to take that blackish route. Right. You know, like that's kind of. You got to evolve. Yeah. Right? It's like, it's like music. Yeah, I yeah. It's like music. Like Scarface couldn't come out today and be Scarface. Right. Be a young Scarface or even an old Scarface. He might retain some of his old audience and his old fans, but he's not going to garner, he's not going to pull. The, the the people who are in the Migos and, right. and Lil Uzi Vert, he's not gonna pull those folks into that into his thing, right? You know, I'm interested to see. They haven't dropped the date yet, huh? or anything. It's just I don't even think they that started. picture set the world off. They haven't even started <clears throat> shooting or anything. Yeah, well, I'm hyped for it. I want to talk more about this honorable uh, disorder. Okay, 
because I'm interested. I'm interested. When is it dropping? April. April sixth is the world premiere. The April sixth. World 6th. April sixth premiere. People can check it out at the at Cleo Parker Robinson Dance Theater. Nice. Yeah, big theater. It's twice as big as the last last theater that I did a production out of. So I'm really trying to step up my game this go around. I'm right. really trying to to go big, bigger, and and to do something uh, you know a larger production this time. So right. Cleo Parker Robinson is, you know, is Denver Black History. I mm-hmm. mean, she's in the she's in the Denver Woman. She's in the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. She's a world renowned choreographer and dancer. Um, and so it's an honor to be in her house doing what I'm doing with the mission that I'm on. Right, right, so, right. You know, do you feel like it's hard to get support with these type of uh, productions? Absolutely, community in general. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to get support to do anything. Now, theater in and in and of itself, by nature, is kind of got this elitist right. thing to it. Yeah. Like it's an older thing, and for uh, uh, generations that are raised on cinema, on on movies, you know, um, when you say a play or theater, you know. 95% of them just, you know, they're not even... Right. So engaging a whole new audience is a challenge. Right. Uh, and trying to get, you know, the seniors, the AARP crowd out. Shoot. You know, they're very selective <laughs> on where, where they're going to spend their dollars. Right. You know? and, and which is cool. You know, shit, I'm right around the corner from that shit, so I need to stop talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, so that's a challenge... And unique to 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 theater, but in general, mm-hmm. since there's so much going on, since Denver has grown so much, right. and you know, like we're talking about social media, people are bombarded with all this information, so it's hard to even stick out. Like, hey, I got something going on. It's hard to even stick out, right? You know, so you know, I think it's difficult in general. Now, I went a whole different route. Um, with a different context about about uh, how I do do stuff because I come from a hip hop background, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I came with a different approach. It's like most theater companies are a nonprofit, right? And they'll get grants and to do their work, and they'll make it educational, and they'll have workshops in the off time and stuff like that. And I went a for profit route. Mm-hmm. And I did not want grants. And I also rejected the notion of going to my crowd for crowdfunding. Yeah. I, I rejected those two notions. I went after sponsors that would do uh, advertising in my program, mm. which, is a, which is what you know folks do with theater a lot. And, and I just handicapped the fuck out of myself because <laughs> I, I, I did that and I've... Uh, regulated it down to small business, small local businesses only. Mm-hmm. There are no corporations. I don't want any corporate dollars. I don't want any crowdfunding. And I don't want any foundation grant money. I want to. I want small businesses to support, be a part of something that is community based. Right. That is a story about the community. And then I want to sell tickets. Yeah. And I feel like if people are not. Uh, showing buying tickets to show up 
then the community's not interested. Right. Then Jeff, get your ass somewhere and sit your ass down. It's really that simple. I will go away if the community doesn't show up, doesn't turn out. Because I'll go, because I won't be in the black. I'll be in the red for one. Yeah. You know, because I didn't. I, I don't got a safety net. I don't have grant money or an endowment to make this this flow. I did this. You know, I funded this myself off of my nine to five. You know, which is construction and uh, folks in the community who, you know, small businesses, small restaurants, Metal Art Kitchen, uh, gave me some bread, uh, Whittier Cafe. You know, I've just gone yeah, after... Shout out to them. Yeah. I've just gone, gone after small businesses to support this because that is the that is my intention, is to demonstrate uh, how our collective dollars can make an impact on our community. Right. So speaking of the community, uh, what is it that you would like uh, the community and people who go to see this play, what is it that you would like for them to walk away from? I want us to think about the dialogue that is around uh, veterans. The, the dialogue has to be changed. We have to transform the dialogue around veterans because um, there is, you know, the Second Amendment enthusiasts mm-hmm. kind of have hijacked the dialogue around veterans. Right. And they have a stranglehold on that dialogue as if the military industrial complex is infallible, as if uh, the, 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 Office of Veterans, the Department of Veterans Affairs, the VA, is infallible. When in fact, nothing could be further from the truth. I just spent a year, I moved from Denver, I just spent a year in Georgia where I worked for a veterans organization mm-hmm. that inspired that inspired this script. Mm, okay. So in 2016, February 2016, I moved to Griffin, Georgia, and I worked for this organization uh, that was taking prisons that went on moratorium, closed down prisons, and turning them into sanctuaries for veterans. Oh, wow. And so as a writer, I was to do their website, uh, their social media, and their monthly newsletter. And so with the monthly newsletter, I was interviewing service providers, and I was also interviewing uh, veterans themselves, their clients. Okay. And what I discovered was some heavy, heavy stories about what uh, veterans were were going through and the difficulty they had even just getting access to the benefits that they're entitled to. So what were some of the obstacles that were preventing that from happening? Just a lack of knowledge, and the VA is not obligated to give that knowledge. Wow. That, you know, oh well, that... Just navigating through the red tape and the bureaucracy is often a struggle for folks who signed up to go to war at 18 Mm -hmm. when their parents were making all their decisions for them, and then their staff sergeant makes all their decisions for them. So by the time they get out, something as simple for being used, just basic life skills, something as simple as paying a light bill is foreign to them. Right. And you have to compound it with possibly being exposed to dangerous chemicals, possibly contracting an infectious disease, possibly losing a limb, uh, possibly losing your hearing from 
explosions. Mm-hmm. You know, just compounded with all of the things compounded that they come home with. You know, some of the simple things in life, you know, are inhibiting them from reintegrating in a healthy way. Simple basic stuff. And this was so eye-opening to me because I I had no idea that that's what was having cats wind up on the street, you know? And so the organization I was working with, you know, was helping with life skills and they, they would assign people a caseload and they would help with each veteran on their case, you know, get access to the benefits that they were entitled to because a lot of them didn't know how to do it the paperwork was was you know mm-hmm. extensive and it was just too much and they're like you know damn it i fought for this country the least you could do is get me a place to live or, right. you know and and you know i gotta read through all of this and go through all of this this is crazy just you know I, I've dealt with enough. Just hook it up. Right, you know, right, right. a lot of cats feel that way. Some cats come out healthy, and they and they're able to to to, to do those things, but not everyone. Mm. And hmm, if you put your life on the line there, I kind of feel like you're all entitled. And I really kind of feel like the government should be bending over backwards to, to give you what you deserve. I agree. Black people, just in general. Do you feel like we suffer from PTSD? I feel like um, PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, I feel like no one is exempt from trauma. Mm. And I feel like uh, childhood trauma is something that just about everybody experiences. And I know a lot of folks... um, who experienced the kind of trauma, and I'm glad you said this, because I tried to put everybody, every single character, has some form of PTSD. Mm. Drunk uncle, he's got PTSD. Samantha, she's got PTSD. Mama's got PTSD. Of course, uh, Justin and Deshaun, they have PTSD. So um, all of the characters have a form of PTSD, whether they were soldiers and served or they or they weren't. But um, specifically with black folks, um, the Ma'afa has definitely affected our um, our character. We have a different orientation to that flag, to that anthem. To the 4th of July Mm. Than Anybody else It was forced On us Right Mm -hmm. Okay And so Your culture That you have Is forced on you Pig feet And chitlins See that was forced on you and something that over, and I think a lot of people say, well, yeah, well, you have every right to do what you want now. But after centuries of ideas and traditions and norms being beat into you until you get to a point where it's no longer someone outside of your family, but it is your family. 
that is that is pushing you in this direction. Exactly. Because it is a form of survival, you have a distorted experience and a different orientation with the 4th of July, that flag, and that anthem. Wow. That being said, that being said, black folks, what we, we have a perspective that permeates our community that we don't really feel ownership when it comes to America. Not the way the Second Amendment advocates. You know, this is our country and, you know, <laughs> if you don't like it, if you don't like it, you can get the hell out. Right? <laughs> right? That's, that's how they come and that's how they feel. And you know what? I can respect that you feel that way. However, this is our country too and we have to think about ownership Mm. we have to transform the dialogue around veterans I'm going to say this 10% of veterans are women Mm. 19% of veterans are people of color 3% of veterans are immigrants okay 15% of veterans are LGBTQ and 7% of veterans are live below the poverty line. This is a group that's when you, when you combine all those numbers comes out to 54% of veterans, the majority of veterans belong to a marginalized group. They are. And then you compound that with PTSD. And, and and substance abuse mm. or substance dependency and 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 disabilities you co- you compound it with that and it is a marginalized group comprised of marginalized groups whoa it's heavy wow and if you and this is how and this is exactly how you transform the dialogue around veterans by empowering veterans to be leaders within their subgroups, within those marginalized groups, and to take ownership because they're the ultimate owners. of. If you put your life on the line, you're the ultimate owner of this country. There's no reason in the world you should be on the street trying to figure out where your next meal is coming from. That's real. There's no reason. So if we, who are not... The Second Amendment advocates who have kidnapped this dialogue. If we can find a way to resolve the issues of veterans, then they will be the leaders to transform the le- and level the playing field for the rest of the marginalized groups within those sub uh, 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 um Com- communities that I spoke of, yeah. mm-hmm. they c- they will calibrate the playing field. Set off a trickle down effect. They will they will become the leaders because you can't deny the sacrifice that they endured. You cannot deny what they endured. Right. So we've like kind of given up on the the left is given up on that dialogue, and we go dead at the. The, the military industrial complex and the exploitation. I get that. I get that. Weapons manufacturers and oil tycoons have k- 
kidnapped our country and they send young people to die for them. I get that. But we're talking about people. Right. And you're talking about your military force and every sovereign nation has a military force. They are necessary. Right. That being said, let's find a way to support them and to serve them the way they've served us. Let's find a way. Let's find a way outside of the VA, outside of these politicians who just espouse rhetoric all day long about this, support our troops, blah, blah, blah. And then once they get in office, they don't do shit. Right. So let's find a way without them to take care of these folks and we'll transform the dialogue. Wow. Never thought about it like that. Yeah, that was that was eye opening. Yeah. So how do we so how do we as just the everyday person, how can we uh, make sure that our soldiers are taken care of? What for the average person that's saying, What can I do? Who can I donate to? How can I give my time or my money? There's a lot okay. That's an awesome question. There's a lot of excellent um, organizations and stuff out there. Uh, but at the end of the day, a lot of most of us, a lot of us, you know, have friends or family or even some of us ourselves have served. And so, um, again, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier when we we're talking about mass shootings and the active shooters. It's about raising our consciousness. We have all we're we're good to get on social media and tell it like it is and do some judging. We're good to get on there and start judging and say you got the, you got this problem and you got that problem and and you ain't this and you ain't woke and you ain't woke and oh you like Black Panther that means you ain't woke and oh you don't like Black Panther but you ain't woke and we we're good at dividing ourselves. But I think step one is like, you know, taking a good look inside and saying, if my ideology or my religion or my political position is causing me to judge, is causing me to hate, I got the wrong one. I got the wrong one. If my religion, if my ideology, if my uh, political position is causing me to love and to find compassion and find a way to support my fellow brothers and sisters, then I got the right one. And I need to stand in that. And I need to be willing to die for that. And then from there, we can look at, you know, what organizing looks like. One of the organizations in particular that I'm passionate about is the Art of War Project which is a project of Redline Community Art Space that's over here in Five Points. They are the community partner of us with this project. You said that was the Art of War? The Art of War Project. Uh, A young man uh, who served in Iraq by the name of Kurt Bean is the founder and director of this organization. And for every sold-out show, we're donating $100 to the Art of War Project. I'd love to be, at the end of this run, I'd love to be able to hand him $1,200. Um, and that will pay for art supplies. It'll go towards, you know, whatever those cats need and how they see fit. I certainly am not dictating how they spend their money, but I felt like we should align with an organization and put my money where my mouth is. Definitely. 
I really can't stand. There's a lot of people out there say I'm an artivist or I'm a I'm an arts activist. And, and, and what you are is you're doing uh, commentary, and there's nothing wrong with commentary. But at the end of the day, it's a marketing scheme for you. Mm-hmm. It's for you to talk about social issues, but then you want people to give you money and support you. But but activism implies that you are actively working towards social change. And if you're not putting your money where your mouth is, then don't then shut up. Then don't talk about you <laughs> being some damn activist cuz you're not. Right. You know? That's marketing. Which is it's not bad marketing, and there's nothing wrong with rallying the troops or educating or whatnot. But it ain't, but that ain't activism cuz everybody can see what's going on. Ray Charles can see what's going on. <laughs> right. Okay? It's about it's about doing something. Right. And so and so that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, so I see it here. Art of Artofwarproject.com. So you guys can check that out. Definitely, definitely. Man, that was knowledge. That was heavy. We could talk to you all day. Okay. But we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and wrap, wrap it, up. it up. Final question for you. One piece of advice, knowledge, information, love that you will leave with the world, what would that be? When I'm dead? Or if you just went to Chipotle and somebody asked you for some knowledge <laughs> and you was like, here you go, young brother. <laughs> we ain't got to get that. <laughs> right, right, right. I take a chicken burrito to go and, and <laughs> um, I think it's really what I said just a second ago. If, if your beliefs and your ideology and your philosophy is causing you to divide yourself from somebody else who's you know, on that road, pursuing happiness, just like you, you know, whether whether their happiness or their acceptance in life looks different than yours, you know, um, you got the wrong, you know, you got the wrong thing, you know, until we rise above all of the pettiness and the division, we're, we're either going to destroy ourselves, you know, or we're going to Evolve, and the next evolution of of humanity is not, you know, on the physical surface. It's in the mind, and we've got to elevate, you know, our consciousness. Awesome. And as far as uh, social media, how can people contact you, follow you? Go to emancipationtheater.com, um, which is the name of the company that is um, that I started that is p- producing this play emancipationtheater.com and it's got all my links uh, to social media Facebook, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter I'm on um, Instagram all of that, Jeff Campbell um, all my personal stuff you can look me up there as well because I'm I'm posting it everywhere uh, I'm out there so you know. And, and can people get tickets from Emancipation Theater as well? Yeah emancipationtheater.com you go there and there's a link there's a uh, button that says get tickets Word. you can click on there and get tickets $25 for tickets it's $20 for students seniors and vets so uh, check it out and Word. that's uh, April 6th? April 6th through the 29th every Friday Saturday and Sunday of the month of April. Right. We'll be in there. We'll be in there. We'll have all the Life is Dope crew in. Dope Hive. Anybody listening there, the Dope Hive is going to be with us deep in that thing. Right Davey on. Hive in there. Davey Hive is going to be in there. Producer Julius Hive is in there. You got to say Hive because Davey said I can't call our fans Dope Heads. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not. <laughs> no, <laughs> kind of doesn't work for the brand. Yeah. And what we're trying to do. So. 
It's the hot. I get it. <laughs> All right, man. Oh, we appreciate you. Let's clap it up one more time for Jeff Campbell. Hey. Like the Zoe Podcast, I'm Graffiti. And I'm David. We out. has changed, and Microsoft Teams is there to help us stay connected. Teams is the safe and secure way to chat, meet, call, and collaborate. To learn more, visit Microsoft.com Teams.